know, where your attention goes, your energy flows, you know, being present, all that exists, all potentials, you know, everything that happens, happens in the present moment. You know, there is no, the past is past, the future don't know. And so all you can do is be right here, right now. And then non-judgmental, everything you put out comes back. There's squirrels crawling on top of the fence right behind me, birds chirping, butterflies fluttering, sun is shining, sky is blue, and there's a wind, which is always lovely. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Be Insanely Great search for happiness, search for freedom, search for all of those great synonyms that evoke a, a fullness and a wholeness and a like warm embrace of no stress and no anxiety and no chaos and no nonsense. My name's Joe and our faithful co-amazing being, Riley. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Riley. Thank you. Another beautiful Friday. For those of you that are listening or watching, if this is not a Friday for you, make it a Friday for you. Say happy Friday on a random day. Why not? You know, well, who's to say, you know, we created this thing called time in which there are calendar days to which we slowly look forward to usually one or two or maybe three of those days, you know, but there are some of those in which Friday is every day, almost like Christmas can be every day if you choose it to be. So what you choose and what you accept as your truth <laughs> is what you experience. So make the most of it and you will be very, very happy for at least that day. And then as long as you make the decision the following day, you'll be just as happy. I promise you, <laughs> try it out. <laughs> it's worth giving it a shot. <laughs> Expand out. It's five o'clock somewhere to it's Friday somewhere. Yes, exactly. And that could be for you right now, <laughs> today <laughs> and every day. <laughs> oh man, how amazing. Thank you, listeners and viewers, for listening and viewing <laughs> and experiencing and then trying to apply the things we talk about here in which we are most certainly in every episode and in, and in as many moments as possible, trying to create sparks of inspiration for the energy that we all live within that, you know, it's hard to realize sometimes and that we are creating that in every moment. So thank you for being here as always. I'm hoping soon we can create a reality where wind noise doesn't exist. We're getting closer with artificial intelligence, but I'm just, if you see me grimacing through the call, dear viewers, you'll know is because I'm hearing something that editor Riley will be hemming and hawing yes, over in had, post. We've had quite the substance of wind the past uh, week here, and it looks like it'll continue into the following week which, uh, you know, is, is an elevation of energy, right? Wind is energy. You can't see it, but you feel it, right? You can't see wind, but you feel wind. Yet we always need to see things before we believe things. Hmm. Interesting, right? Interesting. So you can't see your, the energy that beats your heart, but you feel it because you're alive, <laughs> Right. So, you know, just a uh, correlative example of, uh, you know, the magic that exists in, in our moments that we easily forget, yet are usually a lot more substantial than we give credit to. <laughs> so what are we doing today, Riley? What are we talking about? Joe, I think we are talking and recapping and sort of marking a momentous occasion for the podcast, which is, I believe this is going to be the the end of our mindfulness series. I think we can call it for the last six or seven oh. episodes. The, the sunset of our the mindfulness. Of our mindfulness. We're going to go over all the greatness of it as a first stepping stone, as a as a beginning to the path that you are on and I am a thousand miles behind on. But you can go a thousand miles a minute if you uh like with, with time not being a thing, like, you know, you, you choose that, right? I like that because, you know, sometimes mindfulness is, mindfulness is the buzzword, right? Mindfulness is the thing everybody's talking about. Apple's got a mindfulness. They make you do mindfulness things, right? And it's interesting the the attention that we give to the mind because 
you know, there's all this data and things like that's where all the things fire and then it sends all things to our body. But the mind is is a secondary kind of thing within our being. If you think of it, what's the origin of our life? Like a heartbeat, you know, and you, you've heard me say this before. <laughs> you've heard me say this before. You're like, you know, but it's, it, could it be that simple that the energy that beats your heart and the energy that gives you life, because we are all energetic beings, believe it or not, <laughs> like, like the pulse that is, you know, pumping your blood is, it has an electrical charge that is originated in your heart. Your brain doesn't function without your heartbeat, right? And so like mindfulness is the secondary thing. And what if mindfulness allows you to still create stillness? create stillness for your mind because it's it's chaotic in and of itself to then allow you to feel and feel the energy of your life and feel the energy of your hearts and feel the energy of your being and then start to you know start to experience that on a more tangible level you know just like you, you can't see it but you can feel it and and then start to experience new things that you might not have even considered you know had you not seeing the potential connection that lives and exists right within every one of us. And so I think one of the fun things about these first few episodes is it's really been, for me, you know, I'm kind of Marge Simpson teaching piano lessons. You're just staying one lesson ahead of the kids that you're actually teaching on these sorts of things, whereas you're so far ahead. But for me, it's been nice to sort of ease myself in. And I think it is going to be nice to ease other folks into this journey with sort of this, the first step of mindfulness. And I know, you know, last week, or a few weeks ago, boy, with this recording schedule, it can be tough. But uh, we talked about, you know, the myths of mindfulness and how we sort of busted the that there were myths of mindfulness and that mindfulness is your your water wings into the Olympic swimming pool. And you're not you're not supposed to be taking on Michael Phelps at this point. You're you're OK to take things slow, but this is your first step into it. So, yeah, today, let's just I, I think it's it's going to be great to sort of go into just talking about. And Joe, I think I said this before the call. But if mindfulness was a drug that you could prescribe, everybody would be on it because there are so many great upsides to it. And there is no downsides to exercising your brain muscle, which is how I, in my limited way, sort of see this as because, you know, it helps quantify it for me in a way that makes it puts it on a special level for myself is, you know, exercise your mind the way I should be with the rest of my body. But I also ignore that as well. Well, you know, it's like we we put as a like global society slash consciousness everybody has attention on physical fitness right everybody like everybody knows about physical fitness there's gyms there's all these things right like physical fitness is is a priority within the health community and in in every in every society and and culture right and so you know it's almost like and just kind of complementing what what we talked about for to be consistent and and how our perspective is on this to for you to consider is mental fitness. You know, how's your mental fitness, right? And then how does that parlay into your spiritual fitness, right? And what you feel and then how that translates into, you know, the conscious reality and, and the experiences that you have, right? Like, is it is it possible that there's a focus on mindfulness? Like, and, and if you look at it from this way, and if you, you know, the way that you just talked about Riley is, is like a drug, you know? Okay, so like, what does mindfulness actually achieve? And what do you do in mindfulness? Mindfulness is like a stilling of your thoughts, a stilling of your being, like being still. Like, I mean, I know for me, at least, you know, a year ago or a little bit more than a year ago, like being still was not a thing. I didn't want to be still at all. If I was still, I was, I was not, <laughs> I was not, I was not feeling like I need to be, I've always felt like I needed to be doing something. But when I started to find opportunities to be still, it's like the pendulum shifted and I was able to start feeling things and experiencing things in a much more calm way, calmness and stillness, and then finding and feeling the energy of life and the energy of my heart and the energy, you know, that, that gives us the ability to perceive these things in, in conscious awareness, right? And so, you know, it's like mindfulness allows you to still. And then once you still, then you start to have other experiences that, you know, as you just said, it opens you up into to, to get into that swimming pool and a journey that exists there that, you know, entering it into without expectations, but, but understanding that 
all that is good is going to ultimately come from that if you can give it a chance, you know? Wow. What a way to reflect also. <laughs> amazing. Quite amazing. <laughs> it's like you forget sometimes the kind of the experiences you went through and until you, you, you think about them and or present them in a way that, you know, you're trying to just add some context from your own journey. And, and, you know, that's kind of what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm, I'm literally sharing my own experiences that got me to the place in which I, you know, I'm so grateful and fortunate to, you know, have a level of happiness and peacefulness and calmfulness that I never thought was possible. You know, used to be filled with stress and anxiety and everything. Didn't even want to go close to mindfulness. But once I did and I gave it a shot and I tried it and, you know, it just put me on a path that allowed me to be in a place in which, you know, the energy of life is now what constitutes my source of, of being more so than everything that was outside of it. Yes. So we have a little article today. I will bring this up. It is mindfulness can slow down the brain's aging and more. Sounds like a great drug. <laughs> Pharmaceutical companies do not like this, I'm sure, because it's free. It doesn't cost anything. It almost has a panacea, a cure-all effect that is hard to believe. But, you know, give it a shot. So what's the article say? So the subtitle is, Mindfulness involves an awareness that arises through paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. Do any of those words sound familiar to listeners or viewers of the program? And maybe there's someone who is not me, who's been on the show many, many times, who's been saying this for every single episode that we've produced for the show. Who knows? Yes, give, you know, where your attention goes, your energy flows, you know, being present, all that exists, all potentials, you know, everything that happens, happens in the present moment. The past is past, the future, don't know. And so all you can do is be right here, right now. And then non-judgmental, everything you put out comes back. And so every judgment, every criticism, every kind of blame, every resentment, every every one of those things is, is something that you are qualifying your energy with. And if you, we go back, like bring it back. So we are all energetic beings. And as energetic beings, we have that heartbeat and we are energy. And so everything where our attention goes, our energy flows. So everything that we think and feel, we are qualifying our energy. We are putting it out into the world. And our ability to be conscious and to be able to say the words I am allows us to feel and have that experience. And so, yes, like those things, as simple as it may seem, are what is creating your own awareness in your own present moment right now, right here. It's your energy. Yes, those are all things that we've talked about many, many times. <laughs> many people look to diet trends or new exercise regimen, often with questionable benefit, to get healthier start on the new year. But there's one strategy that's been shown time and time again to boost both mood and health, meditation. In late 2022, a high-profile study made a splash when it claimed that meditation may work as well as a common drug named Lexapro for the treatment of anxiety. Over the past couple of decades, similar evidence has emerged about mindfulness and meditation's broad array of health benefits for purposes ranging from stress and pain reduction to depression treatments to boosting brain health and helping to manage excessive inflammation and long COVID-19. Despite the mounting body of evidence showing the health benefits of meditation, it can be hard to weigh the science and know how robust it is. This person goes to talk about how they are a neuroscientist studying the effects of stress and trauma on brain development in children and adolescents. They also study how mindfulness, meditation, and exercise can positively affect brain development and mental health in youth. So this is an article of a collection of different resources that they're basically linking to and sort of explaining all the great things that mindfulness does from someone who is studying this on a molecular, on a cellular level of the development of brains. And uh, especially this new thing that a lot of people are talking about, neuroplasticity, how our brain reacts to internal and external stimuli and sort of evolves new ways to react around it so that we can, you know, still react positively and, you know, keep ourselves in a good mind space. And they're very excited about how meditation can be used to provide powerful new insights into the way the mind and brain work, which I mean, we've touched on before. There have been studies of the, uh, you know, monks and the deep brain waves that they start to access only once they are in a certain level of meditation, which 
is not going to be the mindfulness level. It's going to be a deeper one, but that's why we're using this as a springboard in the next sort of level that, you know, Joe is probably on and I'm a thousand miles behind on. Well, and, yeah. and well, hold on. And I want, I, want to, I want to just insert something right there. Yes, are there different people in different places on their own journey in which they're trying to get to? Absolutely. Absolutely. But like starting somewhere is important. And anywhere you are on the journey, every element of what, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about should have some construct of value. And I think that that's important to share is like whether you've meditated before or not or, or haven't or never see yourself doing it, you know, that's totally fine. Like everybody's on their own journey. Everybody makes their own choices. Everybody does their own thing. And the one thing that I, I think is just really important to just like touch on real quick is the fact that as I got into meditation, I started it and I tried it and I, I within the first, I'd say a couple months, I was like, like, is there a way to do this to where I'm not like, I don't just like it has carryover effects, which is what this article is, is expressing, right? There are carryover effects. Like if you meditate for a certain period of time, there's carryover effects that you then have like lower inflammation and, you know, all of these great benefits that are being measured from a scientific perspective that does what? It gives you belief in it, right? Like that. Like you believe it, you experience it. But going back is like, can you feel the things that are that you feel in meditation? Because if, if you've never meditated before, like you feel things. Like there are things that you feel that you you don't feel when you're doing things. And and for those of you that have meditated, you kind of understand what I'm saying. And is there a way to do that to where you're almost meditating when you're not sitting quietly, when you're doing, when you're actually functioning in life, right? And and so that was one of the things that I felt like just deep in my soul that was, should be something that I should be focused on. And at this point, that's something I'm doing constantly. Like, I feel like I'm connected in a way with, with my energy of, of my life that it's like almost like, yes, it's, it, it feels like I'm meditating all, like even right now, like I feel an, an energy around my heart that is just there that I've ne I never felt before prior to engaging in this, you know? So it's like, it's like trying to find that, as we talked about, a segue to feel things and then ultimately get to the place in which you don't need to go meditate to do. Like you, you do that to kind of give you that foundation but then you're also thinking about it and and being in that feeling and that state of of peacefulness and calmness and and being able to pull it on demand, being able to pull it on demand. You know, you could be in a stressful situation and, and like you you can't meditate in every in every moment that comes across that creates those things, right? But what if you could just be still and then allow yourself to feel what you feel when you're in that minute. Like, that's what, you know, that, I mean, that's what I have <laughs> now. Isn't that an amazing thing to have the potential to be able to achieve? And everybody has this. This is not unique to me. I'm not like, I'm a human being just like every one of you, you know, and I just wanted to throw that in there because I think that like, even with meditation, it just becomes a thing in which, you know, you, you go in a sit in a corner and do something and then, but and then certainly that has carryover effects, but like, how do you, how do you expand upon that? And how do you present the potential that exists beyond just that? The carryover effects is a great way of putting it because how many times have you had a day planned out in front of you and then something goes wrong at the very beginning of it? You know, you spill coffee on yourself or you miss the bus. <laughs> I did yeah, you, you do something <laughs> wherein, even though that in of itself is a single moment in time, which, you know, Joe can talk about how time is, not a thing, which I don't truly understand, but it is just a moment in time. <laughs> I didn't either. I didn't either. I, I am like that. What's this? What? But yeah, you can but, let yeah, that have yeah, a carryover effect to the rest of your day in a negative way. And we've all been pulled into that situation before or you can just be sitting on the couch at the end of the day, but just the radiant negative stressors of, you know, something else going on. Maybe it's a project coming up. Maybe it's, you know, a homework that, you know, you're going to have to do. Maybe it is just something that you know you've been putting off that is eventually going to come due, that can bring you down into a state that you don't have to be in. But it is doing it even though it's not having an effect on the current moment itself. So to be, That's yeah, momentum. To be able to have that in the positive way, I think is uh, not something that a lot of people experience, but is something that everybody should know is possible. It is most certainly possible, you know, and, and, and every one of us experience life with momentum. Momentum is a thing. And if, any, if anybody's ever watched the sports 
event of any kind, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, you know, tennis, anything, golf, momentum, swimming, you know, like momentum is a thing. And that's the word, that's a word that they use so frequently, you know, and, and the reality is, is every one of us are in our own state of momentum and momentum is always referring to energy. And it's like, we use these words when we, when we struggle to find words, we use words that seem to always relate to energy or light. You know, we say someone's radiant. We say, you know, they lit up the room. We say all of these things that, you know, we talk about momentum. We talk about all of these things that, again, if, if, if you're like, it always goes back to an energy thing. It always goes back to a light thing. Yet that's not ever anything we're putting any attention to try and understand at a deeper level, right? And the fact that every one of us that are living and breathing have a heartbeat. And like when that heartbeat is done, the body is dead and the brain is there, <laughs> the heart is there, like everything is there, but it's no longer functioning, right? And so <laughs> to not have and not put any any attention or consideration to the fact that like we are all energetic beings, we have so much opportunity to try and understand that at a level in which it serves us and, you know, helps us function in a more balanced way to which we, we, we experience what we want to experience, right? Instead of what we don't. <laughs> and I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Probably The Amazing Race is a great show to watch to just see how the differentiation of energy can totally affect your ability to see opportunity. Because if you go into it, and it happens so many times with a team, they come up to a problem that they, in their mind, think that they can't do, and they start to shut down. And once they start to shut down, they stop looking for opportunities to do it better, or to do it well. And that energy, they could be in first, they could go to last, or they operate out of a place of fear. I was watching an episode of the latest season where there is a team who just, they had an express pass. They could skip any single one of these sorts of things, any event in the race that came up. They could skip, and they ended up using it in a time where they didn't need to because they were just so afraid that they wouldn't get through a challenge in time that everybody was stuck at. And they still only ended up coming in fourth and then last in the next leg of the race. And it was because they, they were operating out of fear that entire time. They weren't looking for opportunities. They were looking for all the pitfalls that could come along. And so that's, you know, the, it was the exact opposite of mindfulness, but just that energy that you put out in the world, it can really affect how you perceive, how the world sort of reflects back at you and your perception of it. And you start to miss those opportunities that are there, that are always there for you. Well, just as you said, Riley, the energy you put out into the world. So you are creating that energy and, and pushing that energy and emanating that energy out from you in every single moment. And, you know, as many people say, the universe only knows one answer and that's yes. So like whatever you give it, you're going to get back. And if, and I, and I love the competition reference, right? You know, amazing race. You watch top chef, you know, I, I, I watch top chef. I watch runway, um, project yeah. runway. You watch those shows and you watch and you look through the lens of, of fear versus love or believing in themselves or really getting excited about something like they you can see you could see the results. It's almost like you should be able to set tell with like 80 to 90 percent accuracy, like who's going to be in the top and, and, and who's going to be, you know, who did really, really well. And if you look at the decisions they made or how how they did it, it's almost always the ones that, you know, really were very focused and believed in themselves. And there were no questions. There were no doubts. There were no fears. You know, they're the ones that ultimately succeeded. And the fact is, is, you know, it could have been that same person that succeeded in that one episode was in the opposite end the other episode. And they had to pull themselves out. We're in a place in which they were, you know, they were back on it. You know, they were back in the momentum that they wanted to be and that they needed to be in order to achieve the success that they wanted. You know, and, and that, again, is just visible examples that are out there in the, in the, in the world through all of these platforms in which we entertain ourselves, right? Like to which we can then glean from to, in our own experience if we so choose. But because we're always kind of stuck in the day-to-day -day almost always, you know, I know I was most certainly, like you don't even give yourself the opportunity to reflect on it in that way, which you can then apply because listening to any one of this is fantastic. It's a great kind of at least if I had someone to listen to that could guide me, and I'm thankful to have had certain 
like authors and, and figureheads that did that for me to help me like look at things in a certain way. But it was my application. If I didn't apply the things I was reading, you know, I can read Einstein quotes and Da Vinci quotes and all these great people. I could read Joe Dispenza and Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and, and Neville and all these, I could read all those people. But if, if I didn't actually apply anything in which I read, you know, and, 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 I, and then I ultimately kind of got to reading elements of St. Germain and the I Am Discourses and all of that, just as Wayne Dyer did. And the reality is, is if you don't apply it, if you don't apply it, it's never going to serve you or change your condition if you want to. Like you have to apply it and you have to give yourself the opportunity to do that. And the reality is you could start with like one application a day or one application every other day, you know, and then when you start to like build on it and expand on it and do it, I mean, just as you're playing an instrument, just as you're playing an instrument, you know, it's like you, you can't learn, you can't become a concert pianist in, you know, a day or a week or a month or a year. If you want to be able to play the instrument of life, which is the energy of your life, at a level in which you have the potential and the ability to do, you got to give it attention, you got to give it energy, and you got to apply those elements in your own conscious moments to give you that, give you that, give you that, right? So, I mean, this is a great little excerpt from the article. Mindfulness is a skill that can be practiced and cultivated over time. The goal is that with repetition, <laughs> the benefits of practicing mindfulness carry over into everyday life when you aren't actively meditating. For example, if you learn that you aren't defined by an emotion that arises transiently, like anger, then it may be harder to stay angry for long. I mean, yes, so, so true. You know, Bruce, he, he wrote a, a book on love and he wrote a book on, uh, you know, in which he talked about all of these elements and in, in, you know, realizing that, again, we, we have the opportunity to choose love in those moments, right? And when we, and when we choose love in those moments, it kind of serves us in, in, in so much of a different way than, again, if we didn't have that lens, you know, and this is why we had the love versus fear episode where we talked about that because literally every choice you make and everything thought you have and every feeling you have is like a flip of a coin of one of those. So what are you going to choose? Right. And love and fear are the kind of parent words and there's sub words that exist or synonyms that exist for those. Right. Most certainly. But it's really trying to understand the depth that exists that allows you to get to a level in which it's serving you and, and you using the experience and you using those moments for your purpose and what you want to achieve instead of allowing those moments to use you in which you're going in the opposite direction. You know? And I think a lot of folks out there have touched on mindfulness before because there are so many different forms of training of different things that require you to really apply your focus. Like if you think of yoga, martial arts, dance, anything where you can sort of get into that flow state, that flow state is you in some way touching on an element of mindfulness where you're able to cast off any of those transient anger, emotions, things like that, and stay in a, in a elevated mental state. And so, you know, if you were, if you are a really great tennis player, you've been in that flow state before, you know, that focus that can come over you where you're, you know, you're elevated in a way that you're not normally, well, you could, that's you're touching on mindfulness from one direction or yoga as well. That is probably a lot more, more similarly aligned, but like a lot of folks have come into it in various ways of their life, but maybe haven't been able to define it as mindfulness before they've only touched a thousand hands on the one elephant, all defining it as something differently. Great analogy. And that's the consciousness training the subconscious, right? So, you know, as Bruce Lipton says, the subconscious operates at like 4 million synapses per second or whatever. The consciousness only operates at like 40, right? And, you know, forgive me if the numbers are off, but it's something at that massive scale of a differential. And the reality is like, we always have to use our conscious application to train our subconscious to where like you're driving, you know, like you got to consciously pay attention to drive learning how to read. you got to consciously try and learn and understand phonics and elements of what, you know, letters and all that stuff to learn how to read, learning a new language, you know, learning a skill in a job. Like it's literally the same thing. Whatever it is that you're trying to comprehend is you consciously applying your attention, which is your energy to that thing or that condition or that element in which you're trying to then have something that you're more not playing, playing instruments, you know, like any one of that, you know, these musicians, like this is what they do. They are consciously practicing to which they can then 
have that ability at a much more advanced level. Athletes, same thing, like the same thing. Everybody's consciously doing that to then allow the subconscious to be that is continuing to build and continuing ex to expand and expand and expand and expand until they're at a level in which it's, you know, completely beyond, right? And what you put into it is what you get out of it. This is one of those reasons why, you know, I think we see so many articles. I, I just saw two in the same week. One that said stress and depression are linked to Alzheimer's disease. But then what is one of the great benefit or one of the big things people are seeing huge benefits with with dementia patients? It's the practice of Tai Chi, which I mean, can you think of a more mindful being in the present moment martial art? And every one of these, what do they what do they have in common? Stillness, being still, finding an opportunity to be still. How many of like, again, like that's not what our society wants us to do. You know, we got to be working. We got to be doing something. If we're not doing something, we're not, we're not achieving anything. Right. So, but what if it's the opposite, right? Like, what, like, can we give it a shot? And if you're like, oh, that doesn't make it. Well, like, try it. You know what I'm saying? Like, give it a shot. <laughs> you know, you can read all these things in which it tells you the opposite. And then whatever you read, you know, then, then you believe it. Right. And so, but what, you have the power to believe something or not believe something. So like, but if you spend that time, I wish I would have, when I first found out about meditation, like three years ago, and I just like poo-pooed it and say, oh, that's not, I'm not going to do that. You know, like imagine where I'd be now. And I'm so grateful that even a year ago, I decided that I wanted to give it a shot. Right. But that, again, as we talked about, like that was the gateway, you know, the gateway for me realizing the, the potential that exists beyond what, you know, even most people like. Even in these articles and these things in science today is, is, is it's, you know, it's something that you do. It has the carryover effects, but that's basically it. I, I feel it's much, the potential is much more than that. It is much more than that. It is, it is a state of, of peacefulness and goodness and it transforms your approach to things. It gives you almost like a tool in which you can call on, you know, it's like, I can, I can, I can feel it and I can be at peace and instill my feelings and not just still your thoughts. Cause all of this mindfulness is talking about stilling your thoughts. Right. But like very rarely have I, have I seen anything talking about stilling your feelings? Right. But the reality is, is, and you look, many different people have talked about this and qualified this with science. Like thought is one thing, but it, it, the feeling is really what charges it and gives it energy. There's, there's a reason why emotions are called like emotions. It's like energy in motion. It's like, it's like a feeling, right? And when we're all vibrating, everything in the universe is vibrating. And so like when you charge it with feeling and you qualify your energy, you are qualifying it to the condition in which you have set forth and you have accepted as your truth in that moment. And so when you accept that as you, whatever you accept as your truth in that moment, whether it be good, bad, indifferent, whatever it is, that is how you qualified that moment. And that is how you've that is the feeling you generated, right? And so like, it's, it's not just mindful. And that's why I've kind of said this a couple of times, you know, mindfulness is a starting point because that only talks about thoughts, but the feelings are like, not even like, I haven't heard anything, you know, the feeling, the word hasn't even come up, you know, like feelings are even more important than thoughts because feelings like you, you can get a feeling and then it'll evoke thoughts. Right. And it'll happen the opposite way too. Like you'll, you'll think about things and it might seem that, but the majority is, is like, you'll feel things before you think about things and then to, to discount that or to leave that out, I think is, is, is a huge miss, but at the same time, a huge opportunity for everybody to consider at the same time, they're, they're, you know, mindful. It's not just stilling your, stilling your thoughts is the first step to be thinking about, right? We're not trying to think about too many things at once. But once you still your thoughts, then you can start to start stilling your feeling and then, and then finding feeling and then finding the, the, the energy that exists that is powering your life and your conscious awareness, right? So think about feeling at the same time as, you know, stilling your thoughts, stilling your feelings, stilling your thoughts. And the effect is that much more impactful and that much more expansive, you know? And I think a fun little thought experiment, it would be like, if we really thought about and took to heart everything that society tells us is true about how you have to acquire so much wealth to be happy, how you have to be, you know, constantly hustling to find peace in this, in this world. You wouldn't Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk be the two happiest people on earth when they have been like, oh, I've conquered all these mountains. I'm now as happy as I absolutely can be. No other human being has ever been this happy before. And what are those two doing? Trying to arrange a time to fight in an octagon against each other 
just punch their living brains out of each other. <laughs> so, I mean, it's been on and off for months and months and months, but like, there's no satisfaction in. That's a great correlation into the the hustle culture that that society says you constantly have to be doing. There is no happiness in that. I don't think so. Everybody has their own kind of definition of happiness, right? But some of us haven't even thought about it. Some of us haven't even given the moments to, to even consider what that means for you. What if happiness really just is the ability to be calm and peaceful and not be not react to things with feelings of negativity or fear or, you know, all of that, right? And, and again, because what this, the environment and the society that we're brought up in and born within that, you know, constitutes our, our is always trying to get our attention and pull our energy to it and give our energy away to it. Could it be the opposite? You know, and I know, and I, and listen, I know a lot of what we're saying here is like flipping on its head, everything that exists that in, in our world today, I took first to agree, you know, it's like, so it's, you know, I'm here saying like, instead of looking to everything outside of you for happiness, which, you know, your analogy was, was perfectly complimentary, Riley, like look within you and the energy of your heart and try and feel that and start there and then have that as an anchor, have that as an anchor. To which, you know, again, look at this too. Like you can say, I am, you know, the animals can't say that you're the only one that can. And so whatever you say after the most powerful words, I am then constitutes itself within your own experience and your own life. So, you know, if he, like even one simple thing is like, you start being aware of what you say after that, you might catch yourself like, wait, why, you know, I don't want to be saying that you're, you don't want to be saying that you're sick. You don't want to be saying that you're all these things that are, that are not what you really want. Right. And it's easy to qualify that moment because yes, that's what you're experiencing. That's the appearance of what you have right now, but that doesn't need to be what it is. And, 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 and is it possible that when you affirm that, that, that just continues the perpetual element of it in your own moments to which if you accepted something that you want it to be, it then allows that to manifest and come to you like in, in that way. Right. So, you know, again, something to consider. And your brain starts processing this in completely different ways that you would never even expect. Like there are meta analyses that show that regular meditators have improved control of heart rate, breathing, autonomic nervous system functioning, which regulates the involuntary responses in the body, such as blood pressure. They have lower levels of cortisol, which is that stress response hormone. It changes the functioning of your brain. It's that neuroplasticity. It's that ability to start. It's mindfulness judo. You're able to take in negative thoughts and take their energy and <laughs> punch it against them, use it against them. Well, it's like, yeah. stop. You're not allowed here. You know, it's like you're building yourself a barrier of, you know, no, not allowed here. You know, and also you have the ability to control your reactions. The reality is, is so many of us, it's like, oh, this person is doing that to me. This person is doing this to me. So yes, like, listen, and I'm, I'm first to admit, like, that was me. Like, what is this person doing? You know, but it's almost like in those moments, it's, if you look deep and look deep and look deeper, like we are criticizing those people and those conditions, right? And those criticisms ultimately like cement it, they cement it. Because we're giving our energy to our criticism of that condition or that and or that person, right? And then that ultimately comes back to us. And then we keep experiencing it to where if we didn't give it, and again, if we're qualifying in every moment and we're qualifying energy, if we didn't give it that energy, if we didn't allow it to affect us, if it came into our experience for us to be able to like be still, again, going back to the whole kind of the, the consistency of what we're talking about here, mindfulness and, and the stillness. And also the feeling of it, because again, that's easily forgotten, I think, with just talking about the mind, right? The feeling of it, don't react, don't react. Because as soon as you react and you create that anger, you create that irritation, like that's something that's trying to limit you. That is something that ultimately becomes a limitation. It's not easy to see it in that moment because it's, it's, it's charged with the energy you're giving it. But when you're able to take a step back and you're able to reflect on it, Again, if you just go back to the source of your life, which is the energy that beats your heart, what, did, what happened? You charged it with anger. And then what happened? It kept coming back and you kept being angry. You kept being angry. And then you're still like, why is this continue? Well, like if you rewind that and you did it differently and you didn't charge it with anger, you're just like, oh, like, you know, 
Okay. And it looks, I know it's easy to say, <laughs> but like if you try it and find opportunities, you'll realize over a period of, of, of many, many moments, time, right? Months, you know, weeks, months, whatever. Like you'll see that you don't react to things that you used to react to that ultimately what did what created momentum for you to be in a state in which you were thinking about this thing that was negative, that was giving you all these things, feelings that you don't want to be feeling right now. And then what did that do? All the adjacent things that you're like, oh, this person did this. Oh yeah. This other person did that too. Oh yeah. This other thing is bad too. It's like the momentum you're in is that, is that negative momentum. And it's just a matter of like science and physics, like the energy and the momentum, like, like it, it all flows in that way. And, and also kind of cementing the thing we're talking about with the energy of life, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So your energy is always your energy because it enters your physical body and you're having that experience now, it can't be created nor destroyed. And your consciousness is, is, is in control of that energy here. There's a bigger thing going on here than you're presently aware of for with the high possibility. Right. So trying to use every moment to your advantage is you trying to understand that at a deeper level to which you can then like have that serve for you instead of having those experiences use you, which you get sucked into and we all get sucked into, which we have the ability to say no to. <laughs> and again, it's easy to say, but once you start applying and once you start trying and once you start doing it, you'll find that it, it just becomes easier and easier and easier. And, and, and then you're in a moment in which you're like, oh, wow. You know, like that does, I can't believe I don't react to that anymore. You know, it's amazing. Truly like a miraculous thing. And this will be the last time I bring this up because hopefully we bring on some better guests past this point in the podcast, but we have still continued watching. My name is Earl and it's exactly what you say. The writers understand this completely because the whole show is about karma and it, the guy trying to fix his karma, Earl trying to fix karma. So many plot lines are at one point in my life, I reacted to something. I came from a place of reacting to a negative stimuli immediately without putting any thought into it. And that set off a chain link of events that happened that ruined somebody's life or made something worse off for somebody. Now I'm not reacting i'm trying to like you know i'm processing the situation but even within those episodes there will be times when especially his wife joy i think is is used as a great foil of someone who just has no reactive control everything is an instant reaction and then is so often you know it leads to the decline of her position in whatever it is that she's trying to do or you know something happens with her kids and then she's forced to take a step back and say oh you know what this is actually a good thing or like you know not react, but to just act, just to act out of a place of that calmness. And before, I mean, and again, give us the, you know, it's like we, we think, we feel, and we act. Those are the things we do. The three things that we do as conscious beings are we think, we feel, and we act. Like that's it, right? And so if you can, again, simplify your life to understand that those are the three modes in which you operate, you start to kind of get to a place in which you realize these little things that, you know, you might not have realized before and you're giving, giving your attention and your energy to things in which you're like, you're, why? <laughs> you know? Like, why? And then what happens is, is you like, like different things open up or different avenues open up or different conditions come to you in which like never would have happened or never would have like th those set of experiences never would have occurred if you would have approached it into the, in that sort of way. Amazing. Life is amazing if we give it that shot to be, but, and listen, I know it's so easy to say life is hard. Life is terrible. You know, why is life so whatever, but in the reality, every individual that's conscious has the ability to qualify their life as they so fit as they choose. Right. And it's not to say that like, once you've done it, like, that's it, you're, you're set in stone, you're done. That's not how it works. <laughs> that's why time doesn't exist because every moment is a new opportunity to start over, <laughs> do it again and do it differently. And so also it's like, how do you change the past? You know, people say, there's people that say that you can change the past. And what does that even mean? Like, you know, well, like you can change the past because like, so in a past moment, you reacted to something, you felt this certain way, right? But in this moment, you've changed your approach to that. You're not going to let that affect you in the way that it affected you before. Right. And so that's how you change your past because that past condition 
no longer is, is consuming your present moments to which it's taking charge and then doing with it whatever chaotic thing that it did when it when you had that reaction and put that energy in and in that moment. So that's you changing your past because then what happens is, is you don't, those things don't flow into your present anymore. Those things might flow into your present, but you don't have that reaction. You don't have that negativity or like you might've flipped it. You, it might've been with a person and with that person, you had this negative thing and then you, you know, you've made up, you've, you've kind of flipped it on its head. And now it's like, Oh, you know, you laugh about it. Like, oh, that was so ridiculous, right? That's how you change your past. That's how you change your past. And ultimately, over all these examples, you see how time really doesn't exist, except for what we create <laughs> from a human perspective. Speaking of what we create, Joe, what are the next steps after mindfulness? Where are we going to take this podcast in the search for happiness? So the application of feeling so the application of things in which you feel that are good, trying to understand what the feeling of the energy of life actually means. Because when, when you're in meditation, I mean, there's guided meditations, there's all of that, there's books on meditation. You know, one of the things that I didn't realize until much later was the feeling element of it, like in focusing the feeling, you know, and, 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 and I think we kind of planted that seed in this, in this episode is, Maybe I'm sure we, we've definitely talked about it before, but like feeling is such an integral part to it. And then trying to feel things in a different way that you probably never felt before. Like there's thing I've never felt these things before. And then realizing that they've always been there and that like your momentum in your consciousness is then giving you a new path that was always there, but it's now being revealed to you because you're more calm, you're still more often. You're not allowing the chaotic things to control your life. You're not allowing those moments to, to, to consume you. And so it's, it's, it's understanding that. And so much of it is understanding and trying to understand it at a depth that is deeper than you might've ever conceived. You know, Einstein, one, of the, one of the famous things Einstein said about the universe is the most mysterious thing about the universe is its comprehensibility. No matter how deep you go, you can always go deeper, 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 deeper. And so how deep are you going to understand conditions that are affecting you to which you're really seeing the root of it and you're, you're solving for that cause and you're understanding that you can then be the cause that creates the condition and the experience that you want instead of it being the opposite, right? And so again, it's a, going back to the simplicity of life of your, you know, you think you feel and you act. Like these are things, well, if you're saying, because, you know, some of you might be saying, well, Joe, if it's that simple, then why does it sound so complicated? Well, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, as Leonardo da Vinci says, right? And as also Einstein says, in explaining the truth, leave elegance to the tailor, right? So like, you got to be able to understand it at such a depth in which you can explain it simply and feel it simply and perceive it simply in your moments. Right. So it's getting to the place in which in every present moment you have the ability to to find that stillness, to feel the energy in your heart, to expand that energy, to expand that energy. Right. We're part of the universe. And what do they say? They don't say the universe is growing. They say the universe, they, nobody says the universe is growing. They say it's expanding. And so what if every every one of us is expanding along with the universe, but because of our our limited perspective of not for any fault of anybody, but just what we're born in and, and what we perceive. We, we don't see it from an energetic perspective. And when we see it from an, start seeing conditions and, and life and people and things and feelings and thoughts from an energetic perspective, everything changes and everything does start to become more simple. That's like a, a few different seeds planted for the potential that exists, but it's really everyone's own experience in which what you're willing to understand, what you're willing to apply, what you're willing to feel, and then what you really want for yourself. Like that's enough, like, you know, figuring that out. I mean, that, that, that's a big part of it, you know, because mindfulness is one thing. Okay. You're still, okay. You're, you're, you're feeling a little bit better, but you're still doing the things and giving your attention to the things that created that condition in which you needed to be mindful in the first place. Think about that. 
Think about that. You're solving for the effect instead of solving for the cause. And so trying to get, and Oprah said this many times, people say, what's the, what's the biggest thing you see with in common with the most successful people? Or what's the advice that you give to people? Know where you're going, know what you want, know what you're striving for, know, you know, your purpose. And always, as Einstein said, those that understood their inner, their soul, their spirit, their, their energy, only when they understood that, then were they able to become who they became known for. And so if you can understand that, every one of us has that purpose. Every one of us has that desire to, to, to do something, to, to be something, to, to have things, right? It's just being able to connect with that and being able to, to rely on that and then being able to understand, like, that's the, that's the power your intuition and the power that powers your life, the energy that powers, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just a matter of understanding that and appreciating that and acknowledging that to which what happens as you give it attention, it ultimately grows and expands and expands and expands. And then you're playing the instrument of life. And then things start to become more miraculous. As Einstein says, you can live life as if everything's a miracle, as a miracle, or as if nothing's a miracle. So why not live life as if everything's a miracle? What a way to live. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All right. That, that, Riley. <laughs> that, everyone. Let's do that. One day at a time. One moment at a time. That might seem like a lot, but the reality is, is you're only, if that's something you see yourself potentially having the ability to do, which you do, you do. You know, give yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance. You can do it. Any, you can do, you can have, you can be anything you can imagine, right? But some of us don't even like feel like an imagination. Some of us don't feel creative because why we're stuck in the muck. Get out of the muck. <laughs> Get out of the muck and then give yourself an opportunity to be free. And then what happens? You start to feel more fulfilled. You start to feel more whole. You start to feel more free. All those limitations fizzle away. And then... You smile more and then you're happier and then you feel better. And then you have magical moments, miraculous moments. Be the miracle. You are the miracle. Ask Neil deGrasse Tyson how rare it is to be born. <laughs> Go ask him. Go look up his Instagrams. <laughs> it's like the chances of you actually being born. Come on now. <laughs> Everybody's in their own world. You are in your own world. Own it. Own it. There's a preview. There you All go. right, Joe, set us up with some 15 seconds of Beatles music that we're going to try and get away with. I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. How about that? You know, the last performance on the rooftop, the Beatles, the most impactful group in that decade, in that era, and, you know, probably in this century or that century. How incredible for their things. I've got a feeling. We all have got a feeling. You know, we're talking about feeling. I've got a feeling. Let's look, go back to the lyrics of that song. We're going to play a little lyrics of that song, the most impactful elements. We all have it. Every one of us, we all have that feeling. But can we use that feeling and feel that feeling for us instead of that feeling using us? Don't let it use you. Have the feeling, feel the feeling. Feel the energy of the song and then feel the energy that's in your soul, that's in your heart. And then just be. Just be. Let it be. <laughs> it's no accident that those songs weren't created at the same time 